A different setup here on Off the Record. I have Sam Rappaport from the NFL League office joining me today. She oversees the diversity, equity, and inclusion within the the NFL. And I know that that position is just widespread across the league now. We have Lindsey Verstegen over here with the Detroit Lions who does an awesome job. So, Sam, I know you have been with the NFL now for a couple decades, which is crazy to think. How did you land your position with the league? So I was in school in 2003. Uh, I was studying sports science, which I honestly had no interest in. And I, I studied the major because it had the word sports in it. And I was sitting in the back of class thinking about how in the heck am I going to differentiate myself from the thousands of people who apply for NFL internships, especially men, especially Americans. And so I was sitting there and I thought of the idea since I played football and I was a quarterback, uh, I sent a picture of myself in my full tackle football uniform uh, and I sent my resume with an actual football and on the football, I wrote what other quarterback could accurately deliver a pass 386 miles, which was the distance between my school and the NFL headquarters. And, you know, I, it's super gimmicky, but for me, it was some, I know, I knew I needed to do something to stand out and something not to give the same old resume in. And, you know, not that I don't really recommend that nowadays, but I do recommend doing things that differentiate yourself because resumes look all the same at some point. And so you have to do something to show how badly you want it. And I really wanted to work at the NFL. First question is how much was the shipping on that resume? It's a good question. As a college kid, man, I remember bringing that to, I don't remember, UPS or whatever it was, and probably like 25 bucks at the time or something. But that's like that's like a week's beer money, you know? Oh, a million percent. Um, and then, and then, gosh, my second question is, you sent a picture of in full tackle uniform. How old were you when you stopped playing football? I had to retire pretty early because I started my job at the NFL and the hours were pretty okay. demanding. So I think I was about 23 when I had to retire, which sucks because that's your prime, right? Um, I definitely went out in my prime, which I, I still remember thinking I should have just given it a few more years, but I just didn't have the hours in the day. And so I had two amazing years playing women's tackle football for Montreal where I lived. And uh, now I, I like watching and supporting. Oh my gosh. And just the fact that it, they have those opportunities there. I know they have semi-pro leagues here in Detroit. Um, so from your vantage point, how massive was the NFL to a Canadian like yourself living there? I was, I was out of body at all times during my first internship. That's for sure. And, you know, I grew up a Cowboys fan. So I remember my first week of my internship, I was alone in the hallways in, at 280 Park Avenue, which was the old league office. And I was walking this way and just Emmett Smith alone just walks right by me and kind of nods and smiles. And I remember calling my father at the time and saying like, what the hell is going on? Right? Like that was, it was mind blowing. I was still young. I was 21 years old at the time. And yeah. For me, that was just, you know, another indication of where I belong. And, you know, those moments are still, uh, I'm not jaded. Those moments are still super cool for me. And I was in the, at Super Bowl in the elevator with Troy Aikman, and I don't know him professionally, but I just saw him in the elevator and I went back to 14 year old me, you know, watching him play and rewinding his VHS tapes and analyzing his footwork. And so uh, I feel so lucky to work in a league where you, you get those types of opportunities. What started the love for football? Who inspired it? 
playing, playing it. So, you know, my father was a big football fan, but he had two daughters and he never really thought to influence us to like football because he didn't even know that there was girls football when we were young. So really I started playing it. I started getting good at it in my eyes. And it was something that built my confidence as a young kid. And I got so good at it in my eyes that I wanted to watch people who were amazing at it. And so I really love, I started watching the NFL and I started, you know, analyzing quarterbacks. I really loved watching the league for quarterbacks. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, it was John Elway and, and Troy Aikman and Warren Moon and Randall Cunningham and so many guys who I really admired and watched and studied and, you know, they helped me get better. And yeah, just uh, playing it really was what did it for me. And what was the first internship you held with the NFL? I mean, I was so not qualified for it. It was for like creative marketing. <laughs> um, I had no background in that whatsoever, but I walked in there and I told my, my first boss's name was Karen. And I told her that I was going to be the best creative marketing intern she's ever had, even though I was like, I know nothing about this. And so, uh, you know, I think I did a decent job, you know, I was able to come back the following year and then eventually stay on full time. Uh, but you know, I, 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 it's advice that I give to a lot of people too, who ask about starting out in the NFL is it doesn't need to be where physically you need, you know, the department that you belong in right away. Our league is so small and insular that if you knock it out of the park and what you're doing, no matter what it is, your reputation is going to, to, to build and, and grow and it's going to get around the league. And that's what I was hoping to do with that internship. Yeah. Word spreads fast, of course, with the really, really good ones. That's awesome. Um, you completely from built from the ground up the women's career in football forum, right? I did. Yeah. I created it back in 2017. Wow. And it's been going strong. What? This is year seven now? Seven. Yep. That's right. Oh my gosh. And we, it's, I know it's been a thing at the combine. Typically that's where it, it, it is. Um, and you have col- p- women who work in college football, trying to get them in the same room as NFL head coaches and GMs and all the alike. So I know it hasn't been in person the last, the last two years, it's been virtual. Um, but what kind of opportunity is that for young women in football? When, when we looked around the league, we, we realized that and we spoke to GMs and head coaches and they, we asked them where they found entry-level talent. Where do you find your entry-level coaches and scouts? And the resounding answers we got were, you know, at a bar in Mobile, Alabama during Senior Bowl or, you know, at a cigar lounge at Combine, right? These are places that yep. women typically don't hang out, but we're here. We're just not there. And so yes. we decided to build an organic environment for women to be able to impress upon head coaches and GMs maybe not in cigar lounges and golf courses, even though some people, some women love going there, but you know, at combine where everyone in football is for a week. And so we built this platform, giving the opportunity to women who are in college football to meet with head coaches and GMs and try to impress them. And through that program, over 225 women have secured jobs since it started. So they're, they're taking that opportunity and they're using it. And uh, it's, it's really, it's, um, it's fun to be a bystander. What's your favorite success story coming out of the forum? So many success stories. Um, you know, there are a couple, uh, you know, we had our eyes on coach Belichick for a long time. Um, and, you know, from the start, we we're like, do you think we could ever get coach Belichick to come on? And, you know, we are lucky that we've had several members from the Detroit lions on the football and business side, including, um, you know, owners and, and your president, what have you come by, which is incredible. Um, but we knew that, 
um, getting coach Belichick, what that would do for other coaches, you know, and the, the ripple impact it would have to get him on board. And so uh, a couple of years ago, we went forward and we threw the invite out and we got a yes within minutes. And so, you know, coach Belichick, he kind of opened up the zoom with all these coaches and he said, he's like, all right, let's talk ball. What do you want to know? And so they were just, you know, shooting the breeze, going back and forth. Coach Rabel was on there as well. And at the end of that Zoom, Coach Belichick handed his personal email address out to all of the coaches and said, if you want wow. more development, reach out to me. And so, you know, it's it's moments like that where you realize um, the, the type of impact you can have because Coach Belichick being involved now, like every head coach in the NFL is going to say yes. And that's super powerful. So I think having Coach uh, Belichick involved was huge. Um, but also just, you know, more so than that, I'd say is the little success stories that we hear from the women and how this program changed their trajectories and how it afforded them opportunities that they felt like they weren't, uh, they didn't have access to prior. That's the real gold in the program. I love that. Any, um, yeah, more specific to the women who went to the forum who might've gotten jobs out of this in, in terms of the success stories? Yeah, a couple of them. So uh, the last time we were in person, right before COVID hit, um, you know, coach McDermott has spoke as uh, of the Buffalo bills has spoken at our program met many times. And he, th- he met a couple of coaches there and he, they were, the two coaches were off to the airport to go home after the program. And he called them from the airport and offered them jobs. Um, you know, coach Rivera offered one of the women a job on the spot because she asked him an impressive question about, you know, his defensive scheme a couple years ago. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, and now really head coaches and GMs are kind of fighting over talent at the forum because they know that, you know, this is vetted talent, you know, they have experience in college football. So, you know, they're not, they're not totally green. They have some experience and, you know, that just shows the progress and the development that we've seen year after year. After year. If women want to go to this forum, how, how do they do it? Who do they contact? So we don't have an application process for it because we don't have the bandwidth to manage it. We tried that yeah. one year and I was love, I'd love to see how many women applied for it. Um, but to sort through that many to vet was kind of impossible. So we go through our relationships with the colleges, um, an organization called Women Leaders in College Sports. And throughout the year, we have um, a list going um, for every for, for every women's forum of potential talent to look through. And what we look for really is what the GMs and head coaches tell us that they look for. And so, you know, it's that drive. It's having in mind what you want to do. It's having a professional um, you know, a, a professional presence online is a very important component to it. And, uh, you know, just demonstrating your, how bad you want it is, uh, is a big component to it. The last time I checked, there were 12 female coaches in the league this year alone. I believe we account for one of them. Jill Costanza oversees our science, um, performance science for all the players. She's always walking around with her iPad and she's unreal at what she does. So, um, along with the forum, how can more women get into those coaching roles? Do you think? Yeah. So the challenge we have with women in coaching, and I'll I'll talk about like um, pure coaching, like, you know, positional coaching and on the field is there aren't that many women that do it. And so um, we have a challenge to find women every year that have the experience that are ready for that, you know, entry level NFL opportunity. But this program isn't only about NFL jobs. It's also about college jobs. And we're super proud of the women who got college football opportunities through the program as well. A good example of that is Dartmouth uh, with coach Buddy Tevens. He's kind of starting a female coaching tree up there. And what he he's hired a female coach every year. And I think almost every one of them have landed a job in the NFL after 
coaching at Dartmouth. So um, this isn't just about, you know, let's count how many women are in the NFL. This is about growing the entire pool of girls and women that can get involved in this sport in areas in which they're passionate about. That's amazing. Um, and I, I feel like, yeah, if, if Dartmouth is, is putting women into these awesome positions, I'm sure the head coach is, is teaching them how to lead and everything. So I know from our standpoint over at the Detroit Lions, they're going to have some more initiatives and in, in teaching women how to be amazing leaders. Um, so from your standpoint, just looking at it from a team level, I know you're in the league office, but from a team level, how can organizations just create spaces where they're teaching women how to be really, really great leaders in your opinion? I love the question, Danny. And my answer is don't focus all your effort on, on just improving the women. And so in order to allow women to truly succeed, you also need to change men and Mm -hmm. everyone needs to improve and get better. But, um, while women need development work, men need development work. And so, I think that what we need to work on as a league is ensuring that our cultures are being created so women can be successful. And so we're not trying to mold into a dude's culture and trying to be like a guy's guy or a guy's girl or whatever it's called and be able to be who we are, our true selves, be women, uh, if that's how you identify in these roles. And so I think the true work is everyone needs to develop, women need to develop, men to develop, but I think the greatest men in this league, uh, and I can think of so many, are the ones that constantly ask women at their clubs how they can be better from a culture standpoint and make those changes. And someone that comes to mind is Coach Dable at the Giants, who consistently asks the women at his club that question. And he and Joe Shane are really working towards creating a culture where everyone has an equal opportunity to succeed. So my answer to that is almost like equal balance between developing women in this field, but developing men to make sure that they aren't creating anything unintentionally that are, um, that are, aren't allowing women to succeed and grow. I could not love how could not love more how like how you describe that in your answer and everything. Um, that's amazing, and I agree. Uh, I want to get back to you. I know you have passions for societal change and then football. So here it is, the best of both worlds. But what is the most difficult thing about those two intersecting each other that you might have come across in your seven years of overseeing diversity, equity, and inclusion? For me, you know, the platform that we have that is the NFL. I mean, the NFL is global, right? We have hundreds of millions of fans in this world. We have the ability to do so much with that shield. And, you know, when I'm talking to my friends and family or when I'm talking to you here, I always have the same answer for this, that it's such a privilege to be able to work for that shield because what you want to see in the country, you can get done through that shield. And I think part of the work, part of what I'm so proud about with the work in gender equity is not only the effect it's having in football, but the effect it's having in sport and in corporate America as well. And, you know, corporations are asking us, you know, how we've done this and how they can apply these tactics to what they're doing. And we share our secret sauce because there's no intellectual property there. We want to see this everywhere. And so I just, I feel fortunate that number one, I I work in a league that allows you to do work like this. And if you have ideas, let let you flourish within them. And, but then also really the societal implications it can have um, beyond football. And that really is the part of my job I'm the most passionate about. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, that's incredible. I mean, when did you know that societal change and and football were the route you were going to take? I think when I, when I moved to this country, I, I certainly understood the power of the NFL, but I think what, 
what moves me so much about football too is kind of how like it it's the fabric of this country right it brings people together i heard so many times like it's the only thing i have to talk about with my uncle or my aunt or whatever it is you know what i mean it really mm-hmm. brings everyone together and so i when i looked at that i thought if it's in everyone's house, right? And Super Bowl certainly is. If it's in everyone's home, it's, if everyone's talking about that on Sunday and Monday, um, you know, there's opportunity there. And with this reach that we have, uh, you know, um, Billie Jean King says uh, pressure is a privilege. And I think with this privilege that we have with the league, we it's incumbent on all of us to to use our platforms to create change. And that's what all of us are trying to do. Who is maybe your mentor? through, I don't know if it's most of your time with the NFL or even back to college, was there someone that you looked to that really helped you navigate the space? Um, I think I pick from a lot of different people. I'm fortunate I get to pick from a lot of different people for like what I admire about their leadership and try to kind of dive into that. Um, I think, you know, Donna Ponte, who's our chief admin off- football admin officer at the NFL is someone whom I'm very close with. And she's guided me throughout my entire career. She's kind of the godmother of football. Uh, we all look up to her and she's always the smartest person in the room, wherever she is. Um, and, you know, really someone that has helped guide me and been a roadmap for so many things. Uh, but I think now, you know, my, my, my manager right now, Jonathan Bean and Dave Smith to me are so such cool leaders to, um, to reflect upon and to kind of observe because I really admire what they've done in the past three years to shift the NFL into such a laser sharp focus with DEI. What is the most, what is the project besides the forum, which I know is probably very close to your heart? Um, what is another project with DEI that you are super proud of that you've been able to kind of build up from the ground up? Uh, I can't take any credit for it, but I think one of the most moving moments I've had in the NFL was uh, right after Carl Nassib came out, uh, I think about a week later, we put out, NFL put out an ad under Tim Ellis, our chief marketing officer, um, and the ad was called Football is Gay. Uh, it was very mind-blowing for me to see, you know, that spot and and goosebumps and, and all those things. And I'm really proud of the work that we've done in the LGBTQ space uh, because we've been bold. And in the past, uh, sometimes I've struggled with us being, you know, comfortable in the gray and not making statements. But in the past five years, I have to say at our league, we've made some serious statements um, putting a flag in the ground saying, this is who we are. And if you don't like it tough. And um, I think when football is gay came out, I, I, I needed a minute and I'm super proud of us and what that did for our fan base and how many mm-hmm. fans, you know, who identify within that community um, within my community have come out and said, I now feel comfortable going to games because before I felt like it wasn't for me. So things like that, it's, it's what keeps me going. Mm-hmm. Any more powerful initiatives that are coming down the pipeline here soon? I think, you know, the bid for girls flag and women's flag to be in the Olympics or flag football in general to be in the Olympics, uh, all genders is, is super interesting to me because, you know, there's so many girls, especially that are growing up, loving the sport, playing the sport, but not seeing a future for themselves in it. And, you know, man, if the, if flag football gets into the Olympics, girls from all over the world are going to start playing these sport in record numbers. And I'm excited to track that and see what happens with it. And I'm, I'm excited to be a part of, of, you know, the momentum. You just listened to another episode of off the record with Danny Rogers, a new episode drops every Tuesday.